tap it in. Welcome back, everyone, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We're going to start things off with the PGA Tour from this past weekend and what a dramatic finish we had. We had one Tour Pro three putt the last green from inside four feet and in the same group another Tour Pro chips in to make birdie and eventually steals the title. What a crazy finish. Make sure you stick around to find out who these two were. Rory and Matt Fitzpatrick headlined an Italian Open that saw a two-man playoff to crown sweet swinging lefty Rob McIntyre from Scotland his second title on the DP World Tour. Andrea Lee gets her first win on the LPGA Tour, a former standout star at Stanford. This one was a long time coming. And you got it. It is President's Cup week for us. Team USA takes on the international team at Quail Hollow Club in Charlotte, North Carolina. We have a ton of young talent on display this week in the President's Cup that appears to be a little lopsided on paper. We'll discuss more to see if the international team has what it takes to contend this week. And I don't know if you heard, but the big players are skipping town this weekend. We're headed to the President's Cup. We're going to be there for the Sunday singles matches, as well as playing one of the more premier golf courses in the greater Charlotte area on Saturday. So we got a lot more coming. We'll talk about our round on Saturday and what we're looking forward to at the President's Cup on Sunday. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Make sure you head on over to Instagram and follow us at BigPlayersOnlyPod and our presenting sponsor at Forecraft Cocktails. We hope you enjoy the episode. Four Craft Cocktails, the best tasting and easiest drinking transfusion on the market. Whether you're on the course, at a tailgate, or enjoying a Friday night with your friends, you'll find the pre-mixed 7% Four Craft Transfusion just what you're looking for to mix things up. With a variety of other products, including a Bloody Mary, Ranch Water, and a coming this summer John Daly, it's the go-to beverage for the big players. A family-owned, all-natural, gluten-free drinking option that has the guys playing their best and feeling even better. You can find all their retail locations at 4craftcocktails.com. That's F-O-R-E, craftcocktails.com. And make sure to mention to your local beer shop and golf course that we need these things everywhere. Pretty exciting finish to the first event of the 2022-23 wraparound season for the PGA Tour. An event like no one really tunes into. It's when some of these no-name guys get their PGA Tour points to secure their cards. But we had a, a pretty decent leaderboard, Max Homa up there. Uh, but what about this finish? So Danny Willett goes into the final hole, hits it just short of the green, uh, chips up, has a birdie putt inside of four feet. Max Homa has a bunker shot, chunks it short of the green, but then chips in for birdie. Danny Willett then has a four-footer to win the golf tournament. He blows it by three feet, misses the comebacker, and then makes bogey to lose by Ma- lose by one to Max Homa. Like, what an unbelievable set of events. Walking into that hole, Danny Willett has a one-shot lead. It's like, okay, Max Homa chips in. Danny Willett's got a chance to win. You think, no way he doesn't do anything, but at least two putt and we go to a playoff. He three putts. I need to know what your guys' thoughts are. Is it is it nerves? What, what did you guys see there? I mean, the biggest thing I saw was the fact that he seemed just so like nonchalant about blowing it. Yeah, you because know? he did full on just blow because he had, like you said could easily just at least push to play off, and he just seemed like generally happy. Like, oh, good for you, Max. This is super. Even though this is a guy we haven't seen really do anything since the 2016 Masters, kind of like fell off a cliff a little bit since that major win. So the fact that he, I don't even think he was in the FedEx Cup playoffs so like i don't even know if he has full pga tour status other than like past champion kind of thing so he seemed way too casual for me i some people look at as a class act i think i would have liked to see a little more fire out of the guy for a guy that i i followed any will a bit because he works with our guy sean foley but i can't even list off the top of my head his top fives or, or times he's been in contention since he won the masters right and i think i think the point you're making is the only reason i'm committing to that you're 100% right. It was nerves for him because I think if it wasn't nerves, he would have little been a little bit more upset. But it's almost like he brushed it off so easy because it's like he didn't expect to make that par putt. He was like, it missed. And he's like, oh, it is it is what it is. But it's like, no, Danny, don't you want to win? <laughs> well, he said in his press conference after the round that he was a little bit confused by the, re- the read because I guess the third guy playing in their group hit a putt and he said it broke 
the opposite way that he thought it would break, and then he had it coming from the other side of the hole. So his his first putt, the original four footer, was like straight downhill. So he kind of he just missed it in the perfectly wrong spot, I guess, where it lipped out and went another three four feet past. So I guess on that comebacker, he was still confused. He thought it was going to go one way, went the other way. But um, to answer your question, I think he was just kind of trying to laugh it off. I don't know if it was nerves. Maybe it was nerves. But in that moment, how is he supposed to feel? Just, I don't know, not much I can do now. Let's golf, laugh it off, shake the hand, and move on. To just have a big smile almost immediately, it just seemed like there was no, even not even the slightest look of disappointment in himself like which is i guess you're you know that's not a bad thing to not like be holding himself like accountable but like even in the moment he was just like huh yeah i mean what do you think you laugh so you don't cry there i mean he knows he just blew a chance at winning a pga tour event i mean do you think he's just starting to get used to losing like he hasn't won in seven (laughs) years so he's like ah yeah i got close that was fun Second's good enough for me now. Yeah. So a lot of points a lot of points (laughs) i mean it's definitely it's a loss that you wake up a week later from and you're like Shit happens. But in the moment, that's not what's going through my head. My head, What's going through my head is I can't believe I lost this. Yeah, a week later, you realize you just got enough FedEx Cup points that as long as you get maybe you know, half a dozen top tens the rest of the season or something like that, you should be good for the next year. So in a week, maybe the pain wears off. But I was really surprised to see him just be like hunky-dory about it after. I agree. I also think it's his a little bit of a veteran experience. I mean, yeah, we haven't seen him win since 2016, but... I remember before that Masters win, he was like dominating the European tour. And it's, I mean, he's been playing in tour events for six years now since that Masters event. So it's not like he hasn't been there before. I think it's just, what are you going to do? I've been in position to win before and just didn't work out this time. I don't think what he did, I don't think he like, I don't know. It wasn't that bad. So he's got a four foot slider down the hill in his mind. He's concentrating on making that. So, like, you know, it's kind of like maybe as you mature in golf, you start to realize, okay, let's think about the comebacker. But his mind was focused on making that putt. And I don't blame him, right? He wants to win, and then he ends up with a putt back that he just doesn't have any clue on the read, and he just kind of, I don't think he makes a very confident stroke, right? It's just kind of like it's a result that I can see happening way more than it does for guys that want to win. If he didn't want to win and he was okay and satisfied with the two-putt there – he never would have three-putted, but he happened to be aggressive, and it left him with a, a really tough par putt. Yeah, you kind of walk up there with that killer instinct, like, I'm making this, and this tournament's over, and I'm going to win. And then that's all you're thinking about. And then you miss it, and then it's like the exact opposite. You're like, holy shit, i got to make this short putt, or else I blow this thing. And then that leads you to you know make a bad stroke and miss the putt. And I'm actually, that's why I'm, I'm surprised to see that from a veteran like him. Um, but, you know, it's it's a numbers game, right? He knows with a three- or four-footer coming back for par, he's going to make that 95% of the time, and it just happened to be that 5%, and he just didn't put a good stroke on him. So let's look over at the Italian Open, too, from this last week. We had Rory McIlroy and Matt Fitzpatrick competing in, you know, what's a, a, a mid- to high-level tournament on the DP World Tour? It's nothing you call home about, but it's got a pretty good field. But as soon as these two guys get in the field, man, this thing, it takes it up a notch. It becomes... Right, from a world ranking points perspective, it becomes a huge event. And uh, fellow lefty Rob McIntyre takes down the title. I mean, I think this is a kid that I've been watching for a long time, plays incredibly well when the conditions get tough. Growing up in Scotland, it makes sense. Uh, but for him to get his second DP World Tour win in a playoff against Matt Fitzpatrick with Rory coming in third, like a heck of an event for him. Any thoughts on, on Rob? Yeah, I think he's laying an early claim to a Ryder Cup spot for next year. I mean, he's the pride of Scotland. Younger guy, lefty. Obviously, that means he's much better than the other guys. <laughs> um, so he, you know, wins that tournament in a playoff against a guy who's won a major this year. So pretty impressive stuff and something that, you know, Captain Luke Donald had to take note of for next year. Yeah, and for me, the big takeaway from this is that even with the firepower of uh, Rory McElroy playing in it and a – um, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick being there is how little this was on any of our radar going into the weekend. Uh, like you would think that just Rory's name alone would be enough that we, everyone knew that was happening. We would have been paying attention to. I'm kind of curious, like where is the European store tour really standing relative to the PGA and live at this point? Or are they going to kind of get swallowed up? Is kind of what I'm worried about. I think when I come back to it, that's kind of like my whole argument about why to support the PGA Tour is because you have an event like the Rocket Mortgage and you might not think much about it and all of a sudden you get a few good players in it and everyone starts watching it because the PGA Tour is the marketing powerhouse that it is and it does so much for its players. I think the DP World Tour kind of falls short on this front sometimes, especially in an American market where people love golf just as much and want to watch good golf and getting up early on a Sunday at 8 o'clock and rolling on you know, the back nine of a tournament. That's really great. But we didn't even know about it. I think that's a real a real shortcoming of the DP World Tour right now. Well, I think that's a big argument with the PGA Tour of 
just take this time off. You don't mm-hmm. need to play tournaments. You don't need to try and go up against the NFL. No one's watching the PGA Tour over the NFL. And, you know, Sunday, week two of the NFL season, people aren't necessarily focused on what golf is going on in the morning. It's all about, you know, football and what's going on with that. So it's it's a tough competition. If this happened two, three months ago, maybe it was a would garner a lot more attention because, you know, you don't have football on later that day. But definitely something interesting, and I don't know what kind of – Bigger name tournaments are coming up past the uh, President's Cup next week, but it's probably a struggle for eyeballs for viewership. That's a good point. And even though football fights the eyes, the eyeballs for the for the viewership, I know that, but I also appreciate that the PGA Tour is not shy about having these early season tournaments to try and get its players points. Even though it's not going to get, maybe it's a it's a it's a revenue loss for them for these tournaments because of all this all the money they have to put into it. But at least it's you know they've committed to this year round schedule and keeping these guys on tour and some of these smaller names getting their chance to win on the PGA Tour. I don't know economics says supply and demand. You got to cut back that supply. Everyone's going to want to see that golf. They're all going to tune in more. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just like the Corn Ferry Tour. It's like we don't hear much about it. I think these events are kind of like that. So I just uh, – I appreciate what the PGA Tour is doing, but you're right. They're never going to get the eyeballs off the NFL. But I, I think they – as I said that, I think they've recognized it because they weren't even airing this tournament. It was terrible This coverage. was on streaming only. I think it was like 3 it to 6. It wasn't on, you know, obviously CBS or ABC. It, the Sunday round was on either Golf Channel or NBC Sports. No, I think it was streaming. 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Golf Channel. Yeah, like, so the PGA Tour is competing in an event and the final rounds only covered for 3 hours on a non-main platform t- TV channel. Like that's pretty funny. But that being said, it had a sizable purse. It was $8 million. Max Homa took home 1.4, which is yeah. nothing to scoff at in terms of like the where it stands in terms of the PGA Tour historically. That may just be the newer rules and where they're increasing all the purses and stuff that we're seeing that, but that's that just caught me by surprise. Well, nothing quite as much as um, Cam Smith's $4 million win this past week in Chicago. Let's talk a little bit more about Liv. We got the four aces, right? Casually referred to as a dynasty similar to the 90s Bulls on the Liv coverage, which is laughable at best. And then we also have DJ competing once again, another second. I think his last four finishes are like first, first, second, second. It's unbelievable. But, uh, you know, props to Cam Smith. He played really well. The leaderboard wasn't too amazing. Um, but we just continued to see Cam Smith dominate international golf. Yeah, I mean, you saw two of the top five players in the world kind of duking it out on uh, Sunday with oh, Cam yeah. Smith and Dustin Johnson. So, you know, two really solid players who I think them being at the top of the leaderboard every week is or every tournament for Liv is probably good for them. But, again, this wasn't something that I was really paying attention to or, or really watching outside of the uh, just the ending leaderboard and seeing my formerly uh, favorite player win. Yeah, I think not that, to mention your other former favorite player almost die from a yeah. Know, it, was, eye injury. it was a tough scene for you know golfers. You know we're known as elite athletes and and just tough to see a guy <laughs> go through something like that. So let's get to that because Deshambo right hits a ball left into the rough under the trees and then coming back into the fairway has to jump under a, you know go under a rope and like one of the patrons over. One, went one over. of the patrons who's casually nicely holding the rope up for for Deshambo. I'm not even sure that rope really drops any. DeChambeau essentially just runs into it, hits his eye, and he drops on the ground like he just got shot. And then, like, <laughs> continues to curse up a storm and blame the the volunteer. And then, you know, snatches the towel from his caddy. Like, can't believe I think that these was my idiots. favorite part when he snatched that towel away. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was just so disgusted that he even reached for that towel. It was it's so like, funny. It, you did it to yourself. That had to be like eighty percent embarrassment, right? Like, oh god, how am I going to recover from this in the media now? Snap, snatch the towel. <laughs> I, I mean, if you do something that stupid, I think you just got to lean into it and own up to it. And like after the round, just make fun of yourself because there's there's no other vantage point for it. So uh, for him to not really do that at the end just kind of made it that much worse that he was just the butt of that joke. He had to just be playing up the international market. <laughs> you know, football and or soccer as we know it here, they, they do all that kind of flopping lying around there. Yeah, He's just playing up to well, the European The European market should really appreciate yeah, the flop definitely. There. He should have just got to the next tee and just swung and missed and then just really made it look like he was really impacted it. by it. <laughs> I got to withdraw. Guys, I can't do it anymore. In my mind, I was comparing this event to when Tiger got tricked by that security guard in the Masters. And I was <laughs> thinking, man, what two completely different reactions to a similar scenario. Are you comparing Bryson to Tiger Woods? Yeah, you heard it here folks. Yep. first, folks. Wow. Unfortunately, Tiger handled it much better, <laughs> but as you would expect. On the note of the dynasty of the four aces, I just love how Pat Perez has become like the butt of every joke of what's wrong with kind of that live golf is – 
He's notoriously been bad, yet he keeps just cashing huge checks because his team wins. And I think even, like, his teammates have started kind of making fun of him lately. <laughs> about it. It's like, Pat, like, I think DJ even said to him, or in a presser, was like, we told Pat, like, just go out there, wear the shorts, wear the backwards hat. We just need one good round out of you out of the three. Like, we just need to use Do what you got to do. <laughs> just put up one solid round. You do you, and, and we'll we'll do the rest. So Tiger's got a Sunday red. I think Pat starts, needs to wear his like, money shirt that he did that first <laughs> yeah. day of live. Just every final round, just come out there in the money shirt, really show everybody what he's there for. Ben, you kind of mentioned a few bit moments ago or whatever how we've basically we just we've seen Cam Smith and Bright or not Bryson, um DJ at the top of the leaderboard. And I think we were talking earlier how you kind of feel like maybe that's not good. You know, you're kinda of, you know, have some thoughts about that, don't you? Well, I think it's pretty interesting because I would say, you know, Dub makes a good point, right? He said before we before we started this broadcast, is like, you know, twenty years ago if Tiger was at the top of every leaderboard, you'd be tuned into golf every week. And I agree with that. But I I'm starting to get these feelings of like redundancy when DJ is just winning every one of these tournaments because like although we know how good DJ was it seemed like DJ was only relevant maybe two or three times a year on the PGA Tour. So I personally feel like if these leaderboards don't get a little mix up and you don't see some of these younger players like well I guess Joaquin was in the playoff with DJ but some of these younger players really starting to kind of legitimize themselves and themselves and then get up on these leaderboards. I don't have I'm not going to watch if DJ's just going to win every tournament. I don't know. Like that's just how I feel. All right, so Mike counter argument because i really just brought this up so i could try to argue uh now the pga tour is basically implementing something very similar to the live setup where they're going to have the top 50 golfers out there where you're for at least like what 16 events total it's going to be they're guaranteed to be there at are you going to feel the same way when it's the pga side of it if the same guy wins every time i do feel like it's just not that interesting to me and that's just me from like a competitive well, let me, let me stop her there for a second if rory wins every tournament that's not going to be interesting for you because well, he's my thought it was interesting <laughs> if dj's your favorite golfer you're surely interested in watching live every single time cuz he's contending and rory would be the same for me but i'm just having a tough time like i i genuinely like watching these live events because i just like watching anywhere golf's being played at an elite level but I tuned in, and I'm just like, damn, another DJ win, and it wasn't even that close. Like, you know, I think someone could have chipped in on the last hole, and DJ had a three-footer he had to miss or something like that. But DJ just continues to run away with these things. Speaking of watching live events, how about the big blow dealt by Apple TV and Amazon Prime saying, no, Liv's too controversial to agree to broadcast at all? It's interesting because I don't really think – well, I think you always think of Apple as they're never really trailblazers. They bring good ideas to market, but they're always usually the second or third person, and they just perfect it. So I'm not surprised to see Apple turn them down, but I just do think it's an inevitability. One of these guys, one of these major streaming platforms is going to take them on and they're going to probably make buku bucks from it. So I am pretty surprised to see those two turn them down. Well, well, kind of going back to the, the last point too, I think since they're only on YouTube and the only way someone's going to watch them is to go click on YouTube and, and stream it, you need those big names to get people excited about it. So I think them consistently having... Cam Smith, DJ, Sergio. I mean, shout out Phil Nicholson, even at a top 10 this week. Anything. <laughs> First time under par, I think, in any of these tournaments. So, like, those big names at the top consistently, I think, is what Liv needs to be successful versus, you know, Peter Uline got second this week. Who is that guy? Like, who cares? He looked rough, No too. one's tuning you, in to watch him. Peter Uline looks like he's had a tough few years. So, this, this Liv <laughs> yeah. thing might have been really good for him because he's, like, a little chubby. His eyes were a little sunken, some bags under his eyes. So, maybe this is getting back on the straight and In my experience, chubby golfers are fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, skinny, but he's got, like, a chubby face. Like, there's something going on there. I don't know. So, yeah, and I think I even saw that YouTube viewership was way down this week. And, and of course, they were going, again, up against – like directly against the NFL. So right. obviously it was going to be down, but something to keep an eye out going forward. All right, that wraps up golf from this past week. We'll be back in a second to talk about our big weekend at the President's Cup. We got a round on Saturday, President's Cup on Sunday. We'll be back in a second. All right, the big players are excited. President's Week is here. We've had this thing planned, I think, since February. So we'll be going down for the Sunday singles round. We're excited. We're playing golf on Saturday. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, the President's Cup is kind of like the, the younger sibling of the Ryder Cup. It doesn't quite get as much press. It's the international squad, which is everything that's not Europe against the United States. 
we definitely got a, a bit of a thin, a thin lineup on the international side this year since some of the guys went to live. But we'll be going down to Quail Hollow Club in North Carolina. This is a course that consistently hosts PGA Tour events, has hosted majors. Uh, and I know I'm really excited about this event because uh, we're going to see a pretty young international and American field. In fact, the U.S. average age for the first time, I think, ever is under 30 at just a shade over 29. And the international squad is just a shade over 28. Uh, and if you take Adam Scott out of that, who's 42, it's actually just over 27. So we got some pretty young talent. Uh, for me, I think this is the first year going to a golf event where I'm like, the average age of these teams are younger than us, so we're definitely like a little past our prime. <laughs> but I'm going to kick yourself. it. <laughs> I'm going to kick it to Colin here. Let's talk about our our schedule for the week. Thursday through Saturday, we've got uh, team events. So we've got two on two versus two matchups. You're going to hear a lot of the terms foursome and four ball. Foursome essentially is just alternate shots. So one player will hit their tee shot. The next player on this on the same team will then hit the second shot, and they'll keep alternating until the ball's in the hole. Four ball is just everyone plays their own ball. A group of four, so there's four balls going at once, and then you take the best score on your team of two. So Thursday, we've got five foursome matches, so that's the alternate shot. Friday, we've got five four-ball matches, so everyone's playing their own ball on Friday. Friday night is also when the big players will arrive in Charlotte, just putting that out there. Um, Watch then, out, Charlotte. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're coming for you. Yep. And then uh, Saturday, we've got uh, four matches of each. So Saturday in the morning, they'll play four foursomes. Saturday in the afternoon, they'll play four four balls. And then Sunday is mono e mono, 12 singles matches to close out the cup. And I think we're really excited to go to Sunday. I think singles matches just bring the most excitement. You know, it's just like even if a Scotty Scheffler goes up a guy like goes goes up against a guy like Tom Kim, who maybe is a hundred world ranking points below him, like match play one v one could literally anything could happen. Yeah, I mean it's it's what we kind of saw. There was the the World Golf Classic match play thing earlier, where you know Kevin Kisner, who will be there for this tournament, he is he is on the U.S. team. You know, he's not necessarily the best golfer. He's not the top, you know, 10 golfer in the world, but he's just filthy at match play. You can definitely see one of those lower name international plays that can kind of get in your head and they just kind of stick around long enough. They can, you will, you'll see some surprises out of that day for sure. And we're hoping it's not a runaway. I think on paper, the U.S. team, it just kind of is, is incredibly much better than the international team. But uh, we're hoping by the time we get there Sunday that there's still some matches that really mean something. I mean, the U.S. probably won't have run away with it yet, but we're hoping they got to win more than maybe two or three matches to take home the cup. This reminds me of the uh, PGA Tour versus the Live Golf uh, discussion we had last week where the PGA Tour would just mop the floor with the Live guys. My mind is going to be the U.S. is just going to mop the floor with the international guys. You know, I think live. I think that's a pretty fair comparison to say the international squad here in in is pretty similar to what live maybe is bringing to the table. I think that this squad probably has a tad more depth and firepower than live. But you're right, live has the has the DJs and the cams, the the, the better players. Yeah, I mean that's definitely something I'm really worried about here. Like because two years ago or three years ago, it in. General, generally speaking, I don't remember what the last President's Cup was at this point with all the COVID delays and all that kind of stuff. But we were coming off arguably, I think, the closest President's Cup ever when it was 16-14 down in Australia, and it was real tight. And I think the U.S. was trailing going into that final day of all the single matches, and I think that may have actually been the first time ever they were trailing going into that. And that had your Cam Smiths, your Leishmans, and your Louis Tehusens, and all those people, you know, on it. And now those people are all gone. I'm, I am worried that we may see one of those huge blowouts where it's almost irrelevant. You know, they may have to win one, two matches on uh, Sunday's event. That, that'll be really disappointing. But I'm hoping that we get kind of a little surprise because, you know, right, there is a lot of young talent that maybe we haven't seen because you don't necessarily, you don't have to be technically on the PGA Tour to be on the international team, which was obviously also a big uh, issue for the international captain as well. So I think I hope, hope we get some things, but I'm expecting the U.S. to actually set a record here and win by the biggest margin ever in any of these events. All right, we'll get to that. We're going to get everyone's predictions on what they think the final scores are. But I do have a point here is like you mentioned, so the last one was in 2019 at Royal Melbourne in Australia, so on international turf. But it was extremely close. And listen to some of these names that were on the international team. Abe Answer, Hao Tong Lee, C.T. Pan, and then a way before his prime, per se, Cam Smith. So even though he's a good golfer back then, he wasn't nearly as good as he is now. And it was still pretty darn close. I know home field advantage plays a big role, but we're also coming into a Quail Hollow Club that a lot of these guys have played a lot. I mean, American, international, it's a, it's a mainstay on the PGA Tour, so quite a few of these guys have played this thing 
two to five times competitively on yeah, the PGA. What yeah, is it, I, the Wells Fargo? Right. Is yeah. what's normally there. Yeah, that was at TPC Avalon or whatever up in our area here up in Maryland. He usually is having there. Yeah, the Toyota, yeah, the Toyota Avalon. Act yes. like you're from Maryland. The Toyota Avalon, yeah. I've never played it. <laughs> we also have some guys like, well, Max Homa is playing on the U.S. team. He won here just, what, one or two years ago. And they also hosted a PGA championship here a few years ago. Did Rory win that one? JT. JT won that one. Rory, so, yeah. Rory's had a lot of success there. Though. So I think just to your point, it's like I think you're right on paper. This American team seems to be much better than the international team. But we also have, of course, these guys have played a lot. And we also look at 2019, which maybe is like our litmus test of how equal golf is becoming. And even though a guy like Hao Tong Lee doesn't move the needle, he's probably just as good as a, you know a Sam Burns or something like that. So I'm excited. I'm thinking it's going to be a, a fun weekend. Well, it's going to be interesting, too, because, you know, I think – a lot of criticism was aimed at Max Homa this past week, and people were saying, you wouldn't be on this President's Cup team if all those guys didn't go to live. I think you could say the same about a lot of these international guys. You know, the the criticism's out there. Like, half these guys don't belong here because all these other guys went to live, and so they're not playing. So, you know, it's team format. Anything can happen. They, they have a lot to play for here because, you know, all, all that, you know, detractors out there saying they, they shouldn't be here. So it'll be interesting Anything can happen. I'm just, like you said, hoping that when we're there Sunday, there's something to play for, and it's not over. Well, look how Homa responded this week. He went out and won the, the whole tournament. So Yeah, I mean, it feels ridiculous how much they're like, oh, if these live guys weren't there for Homa. Like, he won twice last year and then started off again with defending his first title from the previous so, year. So do you agree that the live guys shouldn't be in this? No, I disagree with that. I, I, I would love for them to be because I would like to look at these as something completely separate. Yeah, like I get it that obviously the PGA Tour is an intricate part of it. You know, that's where all these people are getting their reputations, their world ranking points, all that kind of stuff. But this is the competition is the United States versus everyone else for whether it's this or the Ryder Cup. It's not a matter of what tour you play for, in my opinion. So I, I do think that they should all be welcome. I realize it does kind of become difficult to judge these people because, you know, they don't get world ranking points. They're not all in this case, very much so. Like, there's not a field where they're all playing together anymore, but it feels like we know Cam Smith, he just won the the Open Championship. Like, we know he is more than qualified to be on this team and would have been an automatic. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But it just, it feels like they, it has, it is diminished a little bit. Like, I am genuinely concerned that, like, we're going to get down there and Sunday's not going to mean anything. It's going to be too big of a thing to actually overcome. Yeah, I mean, you look at these teams, the way they were shaping up the beginning of this year, it was like, okay, like the U.S. has an advantage, but there's a lot of up-and-coming international talent, and I think you could argue the top three international guys have gone to live, like that were on the season. So Joaquin getting a, getting a vic- big victory this year, Cam Smith breaking out and being a top-tier guy, like all these guys that are top talents for the international team, we're not going to be able to get to see, which is, you know, it sucks. I think just as much talent as the international teams lost, the U.S. lost a lot, too. That's the only reason I think that maybe we're not looking at the blowout that we might be. I mean, we lose DJ, we lose DeShambo, we lose Kepka, right? These are big names. I know you lose Cam Smith, Leishman, Joaquin, but I don't think that the the grades you might give these teams are all that much different because I think equally they've lost a lot of talent. I don't think we're giving the guys on the international team enough credit here. We've got Sung Im, who was arguably the best player in the President's Cup last go-around, um, they've got still have Adam Scott. He's like the glue to that team, Wiley veteran, just leading leading the charge for them. Um, you got some really young, good talent, some uber aggressive guys, Corey Connor, Sebastian Munoz, guys who just go at every pin. Like uh Siwoo Kim too. If those guys are on, they're gonna be really tough to beat. Yeah, I mean there's definitely plenty of talent there. People we've seen have success on the PJ Tour or the European Tour, you know, etc. My thing is, you know, kind of the argument you were making about PGA Tour versus Live is that like the depth is so much more substantial on the PGA Tour in this case the American team or like the pool of team versus the international team so like the losses that the U.S. team had to make up of a Dustin Johnson a Brooks Kepka Bryson DeChambeau versus filling the roles of at least what we've seen this year of a Cam Smith a, a Louie and Abe you know etc cetera, etc cetera there I think it's it is a much it's much more kind of at par 
for golf terms there, uh, for the U.S. team versus, I think it is definitely a loss for the international team. I think you also think about it, too. On Thursday and Friday, you got two guys sitting out from each team in in each of these events, and then Saturday you got four guys sitting out morning and afternoon. So that's something to think about, too, when you think about comparing these teams, because I think you're right. I think the international team on the low side, you have guys like Taylor Pendrith and – I don't know, Cam Davis, who's a solid golfer, but I don't think they compare any kind of way to a Max Homa or a Kevin Kisner, Billy Horschel type. But a lot of these guys aren't going to play every match. So they're really, some of these guys might only play one match in a singles match. So maybe the delta is not quite as big, but I am like, I'm really kind of excited about this international team because it's so young. And I just think there's certainly an experience factor, right? Being, being experienced in these events is, is a big deal. But also, we've seen guys come out as rookies and just light the world on fire because they have nothing to be, like, scared of. They're just like, hey, I'm coming out here. I know we're the underdog, but I can see a lot of these younger guys on the international team really rallying together. And I think Trevor Trevor Immelman's done a pretty nice job of that. I think he's really been the figurehead they need. He knew. He mentioned the guys that went to live knew they probably weren't going to play. And if they left, I didn't want them on this team. I want the guys who want to play. And I think he's got a, a team of 12 guys that really are interested in making their move in the golf picture. That's definitely a fair, you know, counter argument there, and and that's really what I'm hoping for. Like I, we kind of mentioned earlier, like the European Tour event that we we didn't even really know what's happening, even though it had some big names because of people we don't know. I'm hoping that some of these names that I'm not really that familiar with, despite watching a lot of golf, are just going to be like, holy shit, these guys are amazing golfers. And obviously, everyone that's qualified and made this t- made any of these teams are going to be great. But I'm hoping that they are, you know, pleasant surprise. But you know, I, I have my doubts, and obviously I'm going to be rooting for America either way. So, I mean, I'll root for a blowout sometimes. You know, who cares? I think the floor on the U.S. team is a lot higher than the floor on the international team. You have some guys here that just might not bring their best game to the table and their best, and they're and they and when they're not playing their best, they're really not going to compete in this. But I really think there's some firepower on this international team. So I'm really just hoping you're right for for a close match. And like, although I totally root for the U.S. in every international competition. I wouldn't even be upset if this international team wins because I think it would be really good for golf, and it's a really good underdog story. Like, I don't think we've had quite a a lopsided powerhouse of a team in the U.S. compared to this international team in quite some time. So it would be a heck of a Cinderella story. It'd also be a big middle finger to live golf, in my opinion. Like, we don't even need your guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think this international team is really led by the Asian contingency. I mean, you look at Hideki, he's probably their best player, and you look at, you know, what's gone on this year. None of these guys have gone to live. Uh, that I can remember. I mean, all these Asian guys, Sungjae, Hideki, Tom Kim, they're staying, they're staying Siwoo, true. KH Lee, yeah, all and, these guys. And they're going to be playing for a lot more. Again, we keep talking about it. They're playing for a lot more than just this President's Cup. You know, they're they're playing for their their country and, and the contingency that hasn't gone to live. And so I'd love to see them kind of break out and, and form some strong teams in this competition. It's funny. You said Hideki was their best guy, and you might have to fact check me on this one. I'm pretty sure I saw something along the lines of the top 10 guys on the U.S. team are higher ranked than Hideki. That just kind of goes to show the disparity we see here. And I think I, from the numbers perspective, you're so right. But I think what separates the number one golfer in the world and the number 100 golfer in the world is – Week in, week out play. So it just, it just, I think everything gets put on the table in match play. And I see a lot of guys on this international team that are just, like, like Colin said, very aggressive. Like I think a guy like Cam Davis, if you don't know much about him, hits the ball a mile, can hit it at any pin. It's just whether or not he's on. And I look at that U.S. team, and there's certainly a lot of firepower, but I see a lot of guys that are experienced, know how to get their ball around the course, know how to play smart golf. But I think if they're not ready to get into a birdie fest against this international team, I could see the the, the needle kind of moving a little bit. Maybe one of my biggest concerns is, like, there's a lot of name recognition on the U.S. team. Like, Jordan Spieth, he didn't make the team on, like, automatic. He was a captain's pick. But he's got a lot of that name recognition, name power kind of thing where I could see where they're going to put maybe one of their better golfers against him between experience and things like that where – okay, you, are, maybe you're going to waste you know, one of your better golfers on some of that. Maybe it hasn't been playing as well as the top six qualifiers, just strictly from name recognition. I think the how you know Trevor Immelman handles that aspect of it, the pairings and the, all, that whole thing is going to be really interesting to watch. And you have a lot of friendships on the U.S. side, but I did see where it looked like they did practice rounds today, and you'd like to think, so they went out in foursomes, and you'd like to probably think that, if you're playing with a guy on Thursday that you're probably going to play your practice rounds with him just to get more comfortable with him. And I saw some of these uh, some of these more experienced guys like Adam Scott and Hideki Matsuyama playing with a you know a Tom Kim and a and a Cam Davis and guys that 
have the game, but maybe need someone to kind of keep them with their heads screwed on straight. So anyways, I'm excited to see this international team, but you guys, who is your most exciting golfer? Who are you there to see on Sunday? What matches are we going to be following? I guess I'll lead off here. <laughs> I, personally for me, hey, Cam Smith's not playing. Just to let you know. Yeah. No DeChambeau. Okay. Yeah. I'm rooting for the international <laughs> squad. I'm, I'm flying their banner this weekend. No, uh, for me, it's Max Homa. You know, I, I think, Love it. I think he is, arguably for me i think he's the face of the pga tour from the standpoint of why it's so great and why it is what it is this guy struggled for years on the the corn ferry and and then got his break and then got to the pga tour and he's you know a man of the people he's very you know forthcoming with coming on podcasts or shows and talking about the game and so i i love that he's a man of the people the the golf just means so much to him like you hear him talk, and, and this making this team the first time he's ever made a Ryder Cup or President's Cup team, like it, it means a lot to him. It means everything to him. And so I'm so excited. He's coming off a win. He's coming off people talking shit that he doesn't belong on this U.S. squad. So I'm excited to see him go out and play, and hopefully we get to see him in a couple matches. Yeah, I'm definitely right with you there, Dub. You know, I've got a couple that I'm certainly really excited for, but Homa is one of those guys that – like you said, he's he was getting so much shit as may, arguably maybe a fringe guy that you know maybe he wouldn't have made the cut kind of thing. But he has shown time and time again that he has all the ability to compete. He's got all the top tens. He's got a couple of wins, all that kind of stuff. I think he's got like what four or five wins in his last like forty starts or something like that now. So it, it and he's also that kind of man of the people vibe, like you mentioned. He just kind of he's just a happy guy. He's gonna you know mess around with the fans he's going to do that and that's what i love about the president's cup riders cup event is that all the fan engagement it is so much less of the oh it's just all about me kind of thing where it's the team of thing where you see people you know you see tiger and jt yelling at each other like in excitement on the green kind of thing you're going to get those kind of it just vibes and just excitement and I, he's gonna be one of those guys that really i think gets into that i think he's gonna be an exciting guy to watch is big cat a co-captain I don't think he has any official capacity. I don't think so either. I'm wondering if we'll see him. I wonder if he shows up. He's got to, right? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up or he'll like be like a surprise like on the broadcast kind of thing where like he just randomly makes an appearance just strictly because you know it, it'd be a challenge for him to move around the course theoretically. <laughs> get him a cart like John Daly. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be there if he knows we're coming. Yeah, you know, someone text Tiger. Uh, I got you. The one This might su- surprise you a little bit. The one guy I'm kind of excited to see is uh, Spieth. So I I love you so much right now, Tyler. So here's where I'm coming from here is like everyone kind of knows my feelings on Jordan. He's not my favorite by any means. I think he complains way too much of the course, but I think that maybe that's just what I'm as much anymore. Yeah, but maybe that's just what I'm picking up on some of the TV coverage. Like I, I think it'd be fun to follow him for two, three holes, see how he truly interacts with the caddies. Is he doing anything with the crowd as he's walking by? Is he getting everybody fired up or is he the guy I think he is? Is just constantly whining to his caddy, hits a bad shot, just going to hang out over there. It's like I'm truly interested to see him for a three hole stretch and see what he's what he's actually made of there out on the course. Well, and he's not a guy that's probably going to play every match because he's not playing that great per se compared to other people that are on this team. So I really do want to see is he out in the card? Is he supporting his guys? Like what's he doing for this team? Because you're also seeing Jordan Spieth, kind of like we talked about with Rory McIlroy, really. He's transitioning into this, like, the elder of the game, right? So, like, Spieth is a clear leader on this team, even though maybe he's not the best golfer. He's – 2013 was his first President's Cup. He has the most experience of anyone on this list. Yeah, he's the grizzly veteran of this group. I think he's got way more President's Cup or international appearances than anybody else, and he's, what, 29 or something? Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Captain's pick, you know, um, exciting to watch play. So, hopefully, you see some fireworks with him talking to his caddy a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Tyler, you definitely stole my thunder. That was also my pick of favorite. He may <laughs> also, hell out he of may also be my favorite. Yeah, different it's, reasons. For me, it's like Ben seeing Roy McIlroy on, you know, any. Oh, shit, Roy's anywhere. iron playing. Yeah, God damn it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm definitely really excited to see Jordan. I won't be surprised at all if you guys end up you know, drifting off going somewhere else. And I'm just like, I'm going to hang out with my boy here and, you know, just you know, hang out and watch him. But it's just. Like you, like you said, he does talk a lot of stuff, but I enjoy that. I enjoy the whether he's talking to himself, talking to the caddy. I love that shit out of him because it's the same kind of shit I do where I'm just yelling at myself, what the fuck are you doing? I need to see if crap. it's justified, though. I think that's the part for me. I, I still can't get out of my head. It was a couple of years ago. He nukes a three-wood, and it goes over the side of the cliff, and he's whining at his caddy. It's like, 
You're the one who hit the shot. It's like you know how far you can hit your three wood. Why would you even risk it? It's like I want to see shots. You got to like risk that. it to get the biscuit, though. You got you got to give it a you go. Good counter it. argument. Yeah, you got to risk it until you, <laughs> yeah. you got to risk it until you see the side of a cliff. If the cliff comes to play at all, maybe grab five. But that's that's the big player mentality. It's yeah, the, you, you we got to eat it sometimes. Just that biscuit. We got you got to try to. You know, it's like ah, you know when the wind's going the right way, you feel a little confident. You're gonna go for it, and I love that. And that's the same kind of shit that we all do. How many times have we seen Ben sit there and wait for the green to clear and then just nuke it, whether it's over the green, behind the green, or whatever. Or chunk it sometimes. That's more That's more of the rest of us. I would say the amount of times I'm 280 out and think I can get it there, and I hit about buck 10. Yeah, but like, <laughs> or you but hit the green, that, and then you start a fight with the group in front of you. But it's... Yeah. <laughs> It happened one time. <laughs> See you in the parking lot. Later. But it's just, it's one of the, I like it. I feel like the mentality is he expects the best out of himself. And I think, I don't think he's actually yelling at his caddy more times than not. I think he's just yelling in general, which as a louder, historically speaking individual, I can relate to and I love it and I'm really excited to see it. I, I can appreciate that. I, I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to make my own interpretation of what I'm seeing and I think I'm going to get that opportunity. You've literally <laughs> seen it. It's me, but he just does it better. I don't want to get too hung up on it, but I do think if my, my if I was catting for a player and he was making me a millionaire, I'd let him yell at me as much as he wants. And I think that's like <laughs> Jordan uses Michael as for a daddy out there. there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I would be his caddy in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'm looking at it from the viewer's perspective. Yeah. Just yell at me. I'm fine. Yeah. He can hit me. He's definitely <laughs> Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> he uses Michael as a sounding board, but I think that there's something so relatable about Jordan is like, even though he's saying it, like we're all thinking it, right? It's like Colin shoots the pin with his rangefinder, and you're like, you hit your eight iron 20 yards over the green, and you're like, Colin, there's no way that was 160, right? I just think we all have those thoughts. And I think it's, I think it's actually really a relatable thing. It's just you don't actually know what the conversation was. I'm imagining Tyler as Jordan's caddy saying, Jordan, <laughs> risk it until you see a cliff. <laughs> Colin, who are you looking at this week? Oh, well, it's got to be my fellow double L out there. Come on. I can't wait to see how smooth that swing is in person. Big comeback for him, too. I mean, he hasn't been playing the best golf. I think a lot of people have some really high hopes for Colin out here. It's a course he's had some general success at, and it's a course you got to hit your irons well. Lots of long par threes. Um, was it Jordan in his little interview on uh, PGA Tour said Colin's not only the best dressed, he's also the swing that he would want to have the most, and I totally agree with We're that. We're more alike than I even knew. Best dressed Colin. You and Jordan? I've never said I want the same Colin's swing as you. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, what about you? Who are you most looking forward to? Yeah, I'm really excited to see Tom Kim. And because... Ah, the international man. Well, one, because he's the third youngest player to ever compete in the President's Cup. Number one was Rio Ishikawa. Actually, twice. And then Jordan. And now Tom Kim. I think the one thing that I'm so excited about with Tom is like that PGA Tour event he won like three or four months ago. What's he shoot, 28 on the front nine or something like that? So I'm really interested to see if it's a guy that can hold it together under pressure. This is a big moment for him. He's only like 20, 21 years old. Um, but I think he's got the firepower and the grit to really be, um, like our boy uh, Dan Rappaport said, a star. I think this kid's kind of like, he's the international market. He's a young Hideki. I'm really excited to see where his game goes. And uh, I think he's a very aggressive golfer, so I'll really be interested to see like who he gets paired up with. Probably one of these veterans. Yeah, I mean, that is probably the most exciting thing about this whole event is the choosing to mix in the aggressive, the overly aggressive golfer with, you know, your really conservative and consistent golfer and how that all pairs up. And I am excited to see that, you know, not necessarily Tom Kim specific, but across the board is just, we're going to see people that are just going to go balls to the wall. I'm going at every pin regardless of it, especially in the, the four ball matches kind of thing where, Oh, we know, you know, Kevin Kisner is almost always going to be in the center of the fairway. Whoever he's paired up with is just going to be like, I'm going out the pin. I'm going to swing out of my shoes every time, and I'm excited to see that stuff. Can we do another segment? Who are you not looking forward to watching? Go for it. Jordan Spieth. Uh, so that would be <laughs> the team of Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. I think they're pretty commonly paired together, and these guys are like about as exciting as watching a couple investment bankers go out there and, and play golf. I mean, these guys bring nothing. It feels like they're just not that into it, and they don't show any emotion. I don't but know. Yet, Xander was mean mugging in that photo we yeah, saw on the Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, emotionless standing there. So, no, I mean, these guys, yeah, they they have a great track record. I think they did Unreal at the Ryder Cup, but I think everybody from the U.S. did. But Not to mention yeah, at the Zerg Classic. Not too excited either. about watching that team play. I think it, is, it might be a little different when you are – I mean, again, we've, have, we've never been to any of these events, but I think it might be different – 
when we see them in the, the U.S. verse kind of thing. They play Xander, someone that's won the Olympics. He's obviously you know, done a lot of that. I think his dad was also like an Olympian in some sport or something like that. He maybe has that track record of, you know, backing his country. I, I'm hoping that maybe we see a little extra fire out of him than, you know, what we historically have. Um, so yeah, we we need these guys to bring the juice this with a name like Xander. Like, yeah. he, he needs yeah, some fire the there. Corn. So I, was, <laughs> I, I also wanted to bring up. So we have this is the the highest number of rookies we've ever had in a Presidents Cup. We have fourteen out of the twenty four. So we have Christian Bezaden out, Corey Connors, Cam Davis, Tom Kim, K H Lee, Sebastian Munoz, Mito Pereira, and Taylor Pendrith, all first timers on the international team. Sam Burns, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, Colin Morikawa, surprisingly, Scotty Scheffler and Cam Young, all first-timers on the U.S. side. You know, one person that didn't get brought up in our favorite players to watch is Cam Young. Like, I mean, Tyler, you think about Zala Torres had a hell of a year, but Cam Young was just a couple shots away from having one of the best rookie seasons probably the tour's ever seen. I know he's your MLB guy, Ty. Would you, you're not excited to see him? I mean, I'm excited to see him. I think he's going to obviously perform well, but I... Like I said, I wanted to say Spieth earlier, and now I'm thinking back on it even more. And it's like, <laughs> I want to change our pick, not even with Cam Young. I don't know how we forgot this guy. I want to see Bigfoot. I want to see Tony Fino. Tony, he's big, chin. Big, big chin. Bigfoot's been our guy for years, and that's just one. I think he would be the one that, like, if I were to walk up there, I'd just be, like, starstruck to see. It's like, hey, there's Tony Fino right in front of me. It's like, he. we've talked about him for so long. He's been playing so well recently. It's Fresh like, off of, what, 58 the other day at I, some random I, golf yeah, club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, I if there's anyone on the tour that I think Tyler would vibe with the best, it's Tony Fino. I just think, uh, probably because of the same personality, I just think he's same probably big the feet. most likable guy on the tour. It's like, you just look at Tony, and just, I can't think of one thing he's done anytime we've played that's like rubbed me the wrong way um you just see him how he interacts with some of the fans i've seen some videos with him having some of like the young kids come up and play a hole with him and he just seems like such a relatable such a likable guy and i think he'd be a perfect person for us to see speaking of big tones feet do you see the nikes <laughs> he's gonna be rocking this week red oh, white, red, white, red, white, white and blue, blue. <laughs> yeah. air one lows yeah. oh so those good. do look yep good. definitely changed my pick no longer speed uh, he still sucks so yep. we're definitely going big foot. also All none right, of Tyler, us mentioned scotty scheffler world number one come on guys yeah that that's an interesting point i mean Anytime we're talking about the state of the game, Scotty Scheffler is the number one in the world, and we never bring him up. We got on him real early, yeah. and when we cashed on uh, him a few so. times, then it was like, well, we didn't want to beat, wait, wait, wait. beat that We horse. didn't get on him real early. <laughs> we as a podcast. I got on him real early. I'm just saying I picked him and he won. I don't know. Maybe it just kind of speaks to what Dub's talking about with Xander and Cantlay. It's like, Scotty's just so damn boring, and he's such a good golfer, and I love the guy. He's and such I, a good I guy, I enjoy too. watching like, him play, but it's just like he doesn't bring much to the table from an entertainment perspective. So is our, is yeah, our goal on Sunday to just overly engage these guys to the when we finally get some personality out of them? Uh, yeah, we could try. <laughs> yeah, the back off challenge, see if we can get them to Jesus. Race. But no, hey, like, that's how we got kicked out of the presence. An, another guy, too, that I'm excited to watch is Billy Horschel. I mean, mm -hmm. he has been the, the dog of this <laughs> whole PGA Tour thing. He's, he's, he's going after guys. He I is wish the, Poulter was there. He is right the, up on the putting yeah, green. He's, he's coming to blows on the putting green here. So another guy that, like, He's going to be into it, and he's going to be engaged with the fans and his playing partners, too. Let's be honest. We're excited to see everyone. Can't wait. That's true. That's true. Now, you can cut this if you want to, Ben, but um, at, in terms of you mentioned, like, all the rookies for the President's Cup, like a Colin Moore, Cal, for example, he he was on the Ryder Cup recently, right? Yeah, right. And some, I think some of the other ones as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not they're not new to the international, European or international. This style of right, event right. kind Just of thing. Just the President's Cup. Gotcha. All right, so let's go around the table here. I'll start. Prediction to score. You know, I really – I don't think we're going to have much hype for this international team, but I'm just going to do it. I think international team, 16 to 14. I just think there's a little young firepower oh, there. Wow. Wrong. <laughs> I'm just going to – I'm going on the record. I think they're going to contend. I think that they just have a really good team aspect. I know a no, lot you of – You didn't say contend. You said win. Well, yeah. Well, I, mean, I think it's going to come down close in the singles matches. I just think that this international team's got a little something going for them. I think Trevor Immelman is an incredible leader, and I think he's really got these kids – thinking they can win. And when I say kids, they're a year and a half younger on average, and I just, I'm going with youth here. Next. The U.S. Are, is blowing them our MVP, or is that Trevor? So then I'll also, pick, I'll also pick my MVP, and I think it's going to be Hideki. I think Hideki's just going to roll him. I Hideki's going to have a hurt He's back. ready to say there's a reason why I didn't go to live. It's because I want to be the mainstay on the PGA Tour, represent Japanese golf. 
I'll also give the international side some credit. Uh, I don't have them winning, but I have a 17 and a half to 12 and a half victory for USA. I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. Um, and my MVP, who I'm also most favored to see, Double L, he's going to be in the one of the most critical matches to close it out, I think. Um, one of the most steady players on the U.S. team. So, Who yeah. do you think he'll be playing with? Because it's who, who is his traditional partner when it comes to Ryder Cup? It was Xander. It was Xander a lot and DJ. Um, I bet they throw Sam Burns in there with him. I think that'd be a I good like that a lot. A little power with, with precision. Yeah. Dub, who you got winning? Who's your MVP? Yeah, I, I think I'm trying to will this into existence, but I'd like to see a narrow victory for the U.S. And my, my MVP is going to go from the other side. I think Adam Scott really has a great year this year. He's kind of that veteran leader. This could arguably be his last international competition at, at his elder age, but I'd love to see him put in a good performance. And, you know, again, he's got a lot to prove. He's the one Australian, I feel like, left of the elite guys. So love to see him see it, have a good week this week. Not to debunk you, and I think I like your theory about him kind of leaving on a good note, but he has like one of the – one of the more suboptimal records in this kind of event. And I think it's got to be that putter. That's really what it's got to be. But I'm excited. I heard him comment about this week saying that he feels like his putter is really dialed in and that's all he really needs to play well. Sorry, while we're on the subject of Adam Scott and like the older... Is that who you're most excited for? The older Australian go players fashion who haven't here. like gone to live yet. Um, we're really going to be missing Jason Day this week, huh? I yeah. mean, he's, I guess he just hasn't been playing up to his standards, but healthy, it's weird like. that he's not on the international side this weekend. And I just saw a swing of him on Instagram and I'm just like, man, we talk about pretty swings. His is just, it's so compact. It's beautiful. One of the best wedge players to ever do it. And you're right. It's gotta be his back. I mean, he's just, he's just not healthy anymore. Yep. Yeah. I've got the U S 18 and a half to 11 and a half. I think it's going to be a bit of a blowout. Um, MVP, I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. Um, I just kind of see him with, uh, I keep talking about him, with Jordan. I kind of think he relaxes. He's kind of out there with his boys. I think he is the guy that can get lit up. Like, if if he is on, he's the one that's going to be looking at the crowd, pumping everybody up, get fired up, and he could go stupid low. Um, I just think he's going to be the one to really carry the U.S. side. As we know from past Presidents Cups, he loves him some him. You know, he loves me some me. And if and if he is playing well, he is the one that can hype himself up to keep it going. So I, I think JT's your boy. Well, he's a guy too. This course should fit really well. He's decently long off the tee and an incredible iron player. So I love that pick. All right, so I'm I'm going to go away from the. It's going to get competitive, even though I'd like it to be. I'm going with the U.S. setting a record, you know, difference, you know, scoring differential here at twenty two and a half to seven and a half. Just pure domination, pure wow. disrespect, disrespect, pure yeah. disrespect of the international team. Just flopping it out there on the table for everyone to see, and you know, just running away with it. All right, so who's going to be flopping it out the most then? <laughs> I, I'm giving Max Homa as my MVP. Oh, Homa, Homa as my MVP, and. And again, this is strictly he. You know, he came out and said you know, after his last turn, I think double alluded to earlier, like how everyone's been telling me that you know I don't deserve to be on the Presidents Cup team. I don't deserve to be doing any of this. You know, that you know this isn't. If any, if any of those live guys were still here, I would have been the first one off, kind of thing. And I think he really did take that personally, and I think he's going to kind of go out there and give it his all. I agree, you know, with, you know, some of the other ones, like a Justin Thomas, you know, he's got that fire, he got that experience. But I think that you're, what you're going to really be looking for here is, you know, as you mentioned, there's a lot of rookies on this. You're going to be looking for that one person that hasn't had the experience that we haven't seen to kind of step up and be that name, be that face for this. Especially, you know, we lost your quote-unquote Captain America and like a Patrick Reed that was always a fiery individual, hypothetically. I think Maxima can get a little feisty. And I think we'll I think we'll see that other you know sub MVP is going to be Billy Horschel. Well, I think one of the more patriotic guys on the team. A lot of these guys are you know USA through and through, but Homa really kind of sets the standard for that. I'm excited to see what Homa does because I'll say the one thing I know about Max Homa is that Great although he's won a ton in the last 12 months, he just seems to kind of cower on the big stages of majors. He does have he has a terrible major record, and I saw a graph once that shows like PGA Tour players scoring, and then in comparison to regular tournaments and majors, and Homa's like. 
a stroke and a half picked up on the field in, in normal events and then loses a stroke in majors. So I'm ready for him to flip the script. You know, he's playing good enough golf, and so we just need him to step up in a big stage. I agree with you, Ben. I will say the one thing that I think we're, we haven't mentioned about Homa yet is he has won a Wells Fargo championship here at Quail Hollow before. So yep. he knows the course. He's played it well before. Yeah, and I think the other thing here for Max in particular is that, like you mentioned, he ha- doesn't necessarily step up in certain occasions, but that he will have someone else there, which will ma- I think it'll maybe kind of relax him there, barring maybe the, you know your Sunday singles. And I'm hoping, and my prediction is that those Sunday, the you know Friday Saturday events that he's got somebody else next to him that he can kind of rely on will build that confidence going into Sunday, and he'll be able to kind of dominate and get a big. And he's victory. a big momentum guy, right? Yeah. When it starts leaning in his hot, favor, it starts to really go. It's it's when it starts to kind of wane left and right that sometimes he doesn't come through. But he beat a really talented field here when he won the Wells Fargo in 2021. Matt Fitzpatrick, Cam Young, Rory McIlroy in the top five. So yeah, kids got game. Are there any U.S. international matchups that would be kind of like electric? Like, are there any rivalries here, either a singles or a four-ball match? Like, anything like that that we're hoping to see? Have we read off the list, team to team? Well, we don't know who's playing. Yeah, they won't They won't well, select. Well, I, I just mean, yeah, like, strictly no, who's like, on what team, and then, you know, U.S. versus international. What are the lineups? We've said a lot of different names, but just... Yeah, we can just read them off here. So we got Hideki Matsuyama, Sung J.M., Tom Kim, Corey Connors, Mito Pereira, Adam Scott... Taylor Pendrith, Sebastian Munoz, Siwoo Kim, Cam Davis, Christian Bezadenote, and KH Lee on the international team. U.S. is Cantlay, Sam Burns, JT, Scotty, Xander, Tony, Cam Young, Billy Billy, Double L, Colin Morikawa, Kevin Kisner, Spieth, and Homa. You know, one pairing that I'd really like to see on the U.S. side, and I'm not sure who the who the combating side on the international team is. I don't see too many rivalries per se, but I want to see Scotty and Jordan team up as Longhorns. I just think that would be an unbelievable pairing. Hook them. Hook them, baby. Hook them, baby. Well, I think to answer Dub's question, it's kind of hard because, like you said, Ben, there's, what, 14 uh, rookies? It's a lot of new so guys. So it's not like there's a, a ton of, of history here of, like, people who have matched up against each other before, like... I don't know. I just feel like the international team is filled with like nice guys who just haven't really gotten any like confrontations, any like exciting like fiery matchups. So um, I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll start some here this weekend. Yeah, okay. you, you just read off some names there, and it it brought to mind JT versus Mito, kind of a rematch of the PGA, the PGA Championship that. playoff. That, that could be interesting. Where he kind of folded down the stretch, and JT won it. It'd be interesting to see them go kind of back at it. One of the things I'm looking at for this is yeah maybe there's not the rivalries that we're expecting but i think this tournament could set the stage for future president's cups it's like we talked about how young the average age is we could see some of these matchups for three four five cups in the future and it's like maybe we build the rivalries this year we maybe see an update from the or an upset from the international side and then you just you if you had that happen just imagine what next time would look like well too you think about so we know some of the teams that are traditionally on the u.s side but you also have right on the international side four asian golfers hideki sungjae siwoo and kh lee so you got some potential groupings there and i'm actually pretty excited to see what the taylor pendrith Corey connor's canadian power group could do pendrith is a new guy to the scene hits the ball mile we know Corey connors is one of the one of the top 20 ball strikers in the world i mean he guy hits screens and regulations like it's his job so i'm excited to see maybe not i don't know of any rivalries that might come up from this but the teams that i'd like to see continue to compete in, in president's cup future i think munoz and mito will be a, a pairing for sure that's a good south american yep. yeah. yeah yeah i remember that picture after the pga championship where they're all sitting there in the parking lot like hanging out with their hats on backwards, like, yeah. what a tough day. Speaking of Mito, I think that's one we haven't really touched on too much here. Like, he's heavily rumored to be, like, on the, the President's Cup team to then afterwards leave for the live. So it'll be really interesting to see if this is, like, his swan song, if he comes out as a hypothetical MVP candidate and just kind of going all out on this one time and, you know, kind of if the international team does come out and they'll make a big run. I'm not ready for this drawbridge to drop, but it could be a mass exodus after this. I mean, especially yeah. with this Asian market, these Hideki, Sungjae, Siwoo, KH Lee, I would be very surprised that someone doesn't take the money from Liv because it's a lot and they want to get into that market. So we could be seeing, right, Mito Pereira, heck, even Adam Scott to complete that kind of Australian trio. And then these Asian golfers really could be making an exodus after this. We'll have to see. <clears throat> So let's talk a little bit more about this course. Quail Hollow, like we said, hosts a, a, a yearly golf tournament, the Wells Fargo. It's hosted a PGA. 
What are our thoughts on the course and what are you looking forward to? I can't wait to see this course. Um, for those who have been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I'm a big fan of the rerouting for certain events. So they're actually taking, they're actually restructuring the the holes here. Um, the most famous stretch on this horse course, Quail Hollow, is uh, 16, 17, and 18. They call it the Green Mile. Um, 17 is a big, long par three over the water, most famously where JT hit his seven iron, like 200 plus yards in the PGA Championship to win it, to seal the victory here. 18 is a long par four up the hill with the creek running along the left. So essentially what they did was they took 16, 17, 18, where typically in match play, those holes might not come into play because the match might be over by the last, I don't know, two or three holes. So they actually moved those up. So they'll now be 13, 14, and 15, so that they'll actually be some of the most critical holes in a, in a matchup. So I'm excited to see what it looks like with this new uh, this new rerouting, and I'm excited to walk it. I think that's an amazing move by them. Like, and it's, oh, it's something so smart. You, something you don't see on the PGA Tour world, like at all, because like there's no reason to. Everyone's gonna have to play every hole, but like the fact they made these critical is awesome, particularly in a match play format. Like you said, it's gonna all of a sudden you know there's there's very reasonable chance you know a quarter of the matches will be done before you'd even get to those holes. Otherwise, and I love that they're you know making sure to figure out how we can see the ones that are going to cause the most drama and make it more interesting. And I, I won't be surprised if we do see some level of that concept of rerouting things around a little bit come into play on the PGA tour so that it, you know, it could even, you know, in bring people into play in future events kind of thing, like, you know, major tournaments kind of thing like that a little bit more. Yeah, like you said, Colin, I'm so excited to see this 18th hole plays the 15th hole. This hole is like traditionally one of the five hardest holes on the PGA Tour. And you look at it and you don't think it's that crazy, but the fairway continues to tighten as the further you hit it. It's only 30 yards wide. If you hit it like 330, it has a big creek up the side that collects balls that hit on the left side of the fairway. And then actually when Rory won here and when Homa won here, they both bogeyed it to win. So it's a hole that coming down the stretch when tensions are high, Hitting the, you got to hit driver there because it plays like 500 yards. And then your second shot is, is a two-tiered green. I'm just uh, – I think it's an amazing gesture for them to reroute them because these are holes that people want to see. Like this course is famous for these three holes, so you might as well make them relevant. Hey, Grassman, um, fairways and greens, we're looking at Bermuda this weekend. What can you tell us about some Bermuda? Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see these guys <laughs> uh, adjust to a different uh, playing style because I feel like the last few weeks that they've been playing has not been Bermuda. They were just at the Fortinet out in Napa Valley. That would have been Poa and Nua Greens. So it is going to be an adjustment for any guys who played last week. Oh, and all through, pretty much throughout the playoffs, they play on bent. The greens are always bent. Usually the courses, they can keep Bermuda, especially in Atlanta where it's hot. But they have the bent greens because they have the water source and the money to, to, to water them. And the greens play a lot truer. But you're right. Get late in the week here. Get late in the day here. The grain starts growing. It's going to be really hard to make putts. Now, to curiosity, since we are going to be there on Sunday, as I'm speaking to, to Colin and Ben here specifically, is there a hole that we should try to be on for the majority of the time? I think 13, the par three, is a great one because it's. I think par threes are great to watch in general because you get to see the whole hole. Right, you got water to cover. We're going to probably see some water balls. I know we only got 12 chances at it, but we're probably going to or 24, but we're probably going to see it. Um, I think anywhere on that green mile would be great, but I would vote for a 13. What's the uh, tree coverage like? Is there going to be some shady areas? <laughs> there for are. Us yeah, that this might course is pretty heavy. Cooler. It's pretty heavily treated. I don't know about on that hole though. Maybe we can. Uh, maybe we can find it. We'll bring some binoculars or something. Also, I don't know what's going to play as this week, but um, previous hole number 14 is like 340 yards down the hill, basically drivable for these guys. So that that could be a fun one to, to post up at. Do you know where 14, given the switch of the other ones, where 14 now is in the... So I think they just flipped them. So I think 16, 17, 18 became 13, 14, 15, and then... Third, vice versa. So I think okay. it might be like 17, but don't quote me on that. Nice, and they might be pretty close together, so maybe we can just bounce between. Yeah. So this being the second team format event Ben and I will be at this year, we learned our lesson from the first one. We're not going to stand on the first tee and watch every group go through because then half the groups are done by the time we finish that. So we'll probably try and explore the course a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we one can also yeah. disperse as a group a little bit. And we have to all be together at all times. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> Who wants to hold my hand? So, I, yeah, I love that idea. Maybe we pick uh, one of the first three groups, follow them for a few holes, sit a little while, watch some more come through, and maybe kind of get kind of get the whole walk of the course because I do think that's something I want to do, and we kind of missed out when we went to Marion. I want to see the whole course. I want to see every hole, but I also don't mind posting up a little bit and kind of watching the groups come through. 
So then let's talk about Saturday. So we're going out on Friday. We're playing Rain Tree Country Club in Charlotte. One of the better courses in the area is one of our buddies hooking us up. I'm really excited about this round. This course should be great. I mean, we don't get to play many country clubs, so this should be amazing. Yeah, Colin, what do you know about this course? It's your boy, right? I know nothing about this course. I looked, looking at pictures online, it seems like a lot of water. A couple par threes, like force carry over water. So uh, we'll see. It doesn't seem to set up for my flat ball, I'll tell you that. Yeah, um, you tell me there's a lot of water. I got a lot of concerns with how I've been playing lately. So so, so six six guys playing, right? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the first event that the – what's our team name, the three of us here? Tully Tubby or something? The, the oh. Tully Tubby. It Tubbies. might be the debut of the three-on-three BPO oh, match. Should, should, should we smoke. introduce what the teams are? I guess we should. What, what do we even say our name was going to be? I don't think we have a name. I'm not surprised. <laughs> TBD. I'm not surprised. We, we, we're going to have a good name. You just wait. Yes, yeah, so we'll probably play Ben, Colin, and Ken against Josh, Tully, and Tyler. We'll just uh, – it should be great. I mean, especially with the course we've never seen before. We're going to have so much fun. I do think we have one predicament is that we're going to be showing up for a round and our host won't be there, so fingers crossed for us. <laughs> yeah, they we'll don't just immediately kick us just off. take over the Rain pool. Tree, if you're listening, <laughs> we have a tea time. <laughs> we, are, we are on the books. But they also, I will point out, have a pool with a slide. So maybe if we're done in time and it's still light out, maybe we could jump down that slide. Does our Airbnb have a hot tub? I need to know if I need to bring a bathing suit. Yeah, we, can, yeah, we have a tub. Just not a hot tub. <laughs> a can of corn. A can, a can of corn. corn. <laughs> Yeah, so all right, so we're really excited to get out to Rain Tree. Make sure you watch the President's Cup this weekend for Ben. Go Team International. For everyone else, go Team USA. We'll post lots of coverage. Make sure you follow along. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. Thanks everyone for being here.